Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mental Health Today, uh, sponsored by the JAR Foundation. Uh, my name is Ken Stearns, and I'm the, the host of this, this podcast. And this is all about uh, finding people in the mental health space or uh, people on the mental health journey and hearing their stories and, and really highlighting some of the good stuff that's happening in the mental health space today um, and talking to people, really innovators and, and educators, uh, Policymakers, financiers—you know anybody that's that's in in this battlefield of trying to help solve this mental health crisis that we've got going on. And today we've got uh, Jen Pedron uh, with us. That hi, Jen. Hey. Uh, well, welcome. And you know, after some a few little technical difficulties, little timing, you know, challenges, no problem. Here we are. Um, Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a guest. Thanks for thinking of me and thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate being here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about your about your work, what you're doing today in the space, you know, a little bit about who's Jen in, in relationship to the mental health journey. Sure. Thanks, uh, Ken. Well, I live in uh, DeKalb County, which is uh, near Atlanta. I live in the Atlanta metro in Georgia. Yeah. And I've been in Georgia now for, uh, gosh, since about 2012. I came here doing mobile crisis intervention. I've done crisis. I've done as a certified peer specialist in the state of Georgia with the Georgia Mental Health Consumer Network. Um, I've been a peer since 2014, and so a lot of my life has pretty much been delineated and determined by my peer support, my peer work. Um, I'm a certified peer specialist. I'm getting my MSW um, on May the 6th so I can do social work. And at that point, um, I'm just waiting very anxiously to get the paper and the transcripts into these places so I can you know, move on, move, move forward. Being a peer is a tough thing. Being certified peer specialist in the U S is tough. And, uh, and I, one of the reasons why I decided to opt to, um, to pursue social work now, in addition to being a peer is because I want to be able to do more. I've, I've just really felt like I've been ornamental as a peer in mobile crisis intervention or in the psychiatric inpatient facilities um, where I kind of, the peer, I guess, is great for their peer support, talking to, to a person that may be in crisis or hmm. may, you know, having a really terrific day, but there's only so much that we can do. And so um, I decided to just go and do the schooling, and, and I've completed about four years now, and so I get my, uh, I'm conferred on the six, I can't wait. Oh, that's, so, and, and, and what will you what does a peer do exactly for maybe some people listening and, and they don't, they're not familiar yeah. with that. A peer is a person who has, is a, is a with lived experience. I live with the mental health experience. I have long-term recovery and, and mental health recovery as well as in substance use. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Um, I came to this place in mental health from years and years of um, being really sick, being really mm. sick. I, uh, unfortunately, um, mental, mental health, one diagnosis in particular, which I'm kind of uh, unsure about, rather even to mention, but uh, mental bipolar disorder runs on my father's side, on my on my on my with the the males actually in my family, okay. and so there you see quite a lot of it, as well as OCD, depression, a lot of on my father and my three uncles were all in the Vietnam War in service, and. Um, I know two of my uncles came away with um, a lot of issues and just really harmed and had a difficult time getting back. And so yeah. a, peer, a peer can cross over many, many different uh, roles. Okay. Um, I've worked really hard to help make the certified peer specialist a standard in a lot of different states like Texas or Maryland or helping with Oregon and now just being in Georgia, just just letting other people do the work. But a peer works with you either one-to-one, face-to-face, or they also hold groups, group supports, group therapy, meetings. We, we produce a lot of different things. We write papers. We, we speak. We're active with groups like NAMI or okay. DSA or Mental Health America. And the training that certified peer specialists usually receive nowadays is in Wellness Recovery Action Plan, RAP. Um, by Dr. Mary Ellen Copeland, who was over in Vermont, um, with a good group of people, and as well as intentional peer support with Chris Hansen, Sherry Mead, and um, so IPS and and RAP, and as well as Whole Health Action Management, WAM, put designed by this gentleman called Larry Fricks, who's, who taught me my Texas and Georgia peer certification. Um, came up with it when he had the Appalachia Consulting Group. So a peer is basically just a person who's been there. Our mm. primary objective is to espouse experience, hope, patience, you know, all you know, because we've because we've walked through the fire and we and we made it out to the other side of the tunnel. I've told a lot of my my uh, peeps that I, you know, work with in one to one or group that the only difference between me and you is that I made it out to the side of the tunnel and you're still in the mud, but you know, here's what we're going to do. You're going to keep walking and you're going to get out and you're going to see that light in a mat whenever, whenever you want to, and when you can. So there's, there's really no difference between me and the person that's out there still out there in the struggle or it might be on the streets or whatever. The only difference is I made it to the other side because I had family. I had support. I had great partners. I had friends who cared about me. And um, that, that I think that's really the big difference between a person that's going to do well in recovery uh, or, or not, or just, or just, continue, or just be, just have it be a big struggle. And I see that a lot with people who are in crisis or in hospitals, um, crisis stabilization unit or inpatient facilities for treatment, for treatment, for whatever might be um, that you might be walking through is just is that you're still in the mud but you're going to but you're you're on the right track you've got to get through the mud to get to the other side that's just how yeah what is is the peer i mean there's a shortage of therapy therapists there's a shortage of access there's cost there's a lot of issues to people getting treatment is 
our peers one way you think we can address the issue more quickly? Or is yeah. it, is it yeah. I mean, but even I hearing think, your struggle, I'm nervous because it took you a long time. I think so. I think, I think the U.S. peer workforce, uh, primarily the certified peer specialists and all the different endorsements, and there's a forensic peer, there's a family to family, there's adult, there's parent, there's uh, transition age youth, there's just about anything. It crosses over into every single area of, okay. of, of the world of the life of life as we know it. Uh, so, I mean, the, this, the CPS gave me hope. The CPS changed my life. When I, I, I got my first CPS in Texas, in Austin, in 2007 through DPSA National and DPSA Texas, and it changed my life. I, I encourage everybody who's, who's on this walk to consider becoming a peer. I was also on long-term disability. Okay. I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't do any, I could do nothing. When I was at my sickest, when I was on my knees, I was in ECT for about two and a half years. I received ECT for two and a half years, willingly. Uh, I was trying to kill myself every day for about a year. And so they, they gave me ECT to zap me out of it. And it did. It, it worked, thank God. Because, you know, I really, I really don't want to die yet. Um, and, I, and I have things about death and dying that are probably a little bit different than most people. Okay. Because we've lost so many people. I've lost a lot of people in my life um, around me. So uh, I have a different maybe view of, of death and dying <laughs> uh, and, and, the, and the peers. And so peers make a big uh, difference in the market. Uh, however, a certified peer specialist is not clinically or medically necessary in a psychiatric environment. Okay. We provide recovery and hope and wellness and, and support to other people who are living with a, uh, a mental health or substance use experience. Uh, so we're not therapists. We're not counselors. Right, we're, right. we're peers. And it's interesting because as I get into social work, I am like clinically medically involved. I'm, and uh, it's, it's not really cool to say that because there's different factions and there's different schools of thought for mm. recovery community nationwide, as you can imagine. You've got yeah. the road peers and you've got the ones over here and you've got the groups over here. And then you've got everything in between around psychiatric survivorship or anti-psychiatry. And it goes on and on and on. And so the work that I've done with the U.S. peer workforce has taken a lot of hits because they think I'm out to make a buck. And when, in fact, I see the use and the, and, and the, and the opportunities for peers to help other people. And um, for work for the peers, you don't make any money. There's no money in it. Um, I've, I've made attempts to put together telehealth, U.S. peer telehealth networks in a couple of different states. And even if you're billing Medicaid or Medicare or CMS or your managed care organizations um, and you, or, or however you're structuring your business model, um, telehealth is a good thing. Uh, Celia Brown from Surviving Race and I put together the Surviving Race, COVID, and Crisis Peer Network when Wuhan fell in COVID uh, about three years ago now because they were closing down all the wellness centers in fear of, of, of COVID. They were shutting everything down, and people had to go in their homes and were quarantined. And so ter right. so, so terrible if you're facing a mental health mm -hmm. challenge, it's, it's, right? It's, it's hard. A lot, of people, a lot of people really have that to live with day every day. 
And when that's taken away, what do you do? And so we put together programming with a bunch of other volunteer peers uh, nationwide. And, and uh, we got a sponsor to pay for our use for mm. um, one-to-ones for groups, for group supports, as well as webinars. And we did it for two, for two years. And um, I, I like to think that we set the mold for a lot of people. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of the a lot of the mental health groups, a lot of the peer based groups, in that um, we were the first people to actually put programming and use Zoom and use Web and WebEx and anything that ah. we could do to help alleviate the pain and the despair of social and community isolation from COVID. It was horrible. It still is horrible. So we did that the last three years, and and of course I I did a lot of my artwork with it because. We that's our as a as a national coalition, which is not an LLC or a nonprofit. We're just a membership group. We've of about maybe three thousand people now. We've grown a little bit. Um, we don't we don't we don't have any money. We don't raise money. But what we do is we affect change on issues around mental health and living and living as a as a, as a peer. And and what I like to do is is work around health disparities and, and inequities, especially hmm. for uh, people who are of color, for BIPOC individuals. BIPOC is Black, Indigenous, people of color. And one thing that I've seen the most working as a peer in the hospitals is that BIPOC men and women are typically the ones that are receiving the most highest acute DSM diagnoses. And I, and I have some ideas to that, why that's happening. So that's kind of where I've gone with my work. Started off in mental health and, and then um, peerness and moving on into social work. And now I'm looking at ways that can help a lot of people in a lot in a big way. In a bigger like way. You're doing like what you're doing, basically, you know, help help put the message and the information out and people can access it if they want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Try to get started in that reservoir. Yeah, it helps, I think. Um, so. um yeah, and I got to review my first article with this journal on health disparities, which is kind of cool. Um, what, what was the name of the organization again? The not the one that's that's yeah, just- it's called the S- Surviving Race Intersection of Injustice, Disability, and Human Rights. Celia Brown uh, was a co-founder, and uh, along we worked closely with Lauren Tenney, a lot of other people. The planning team is comprised of Jonathan P. Edwards. They're largely out of New York. Jonathan P. Edwards, Sean Brennan, Tina, Tina um, Brooks, uh, Tyna Lang, Cheryl Bellamy up at Yale's a supporter. And, and so one of the things that we focused our attention on for the last year and a half was to produce the dialogues and retreat in Savannah because it was a dream of Celia to, to meet in Savannah. And so, uh, you know, we worked really hard to get that going and she got her dream before she died. So that was a good thing. That's pretty good. Yeah. Do you, do you know how many how many peer survivors there are? Do we have any? Is there a way to find, like, Interesting. nationwide? Interesting. Yes, there is. In fact, uh, UT Austin and University of Texas at Austin, a couple years back with the social work school at UT, put together a big report on the state of the state for the CPS in the U.S. Okay. However, okay. that report's about seven years old. No one's really comprising it because the CPS goes state by state. It's yeah, not state by state, state, right? State right. by state. And so, what you want to do if you're trying to find data is like go to one of the larger uh, data gurus. Like in, in the mental health world, that would be like um, 
Nev, uh, Nev Jones. Um, and then, of course, Sam's is doing some interesting things. Paolo Del Vecchia, who's the new director of the recovery uh, program at Sam's, so they've renamed everything. Um, they do some good work. I, I would say that in the state of Texas alone, they have about 4,000 CPSs in Georgia that are working. And it's possibly larger than that now. In Maryland, I think they have about a couple thousand. In, in Georgia, here where I live, we have about, I'm thinking about four, five, six thousand people. So when you wow. when you put that together at the national level, everyone's doing their own thing statewide, although right. SAMHSA is trying to roll out and discern a way to have a uniform national CPS certification. When we did this 10 years ago, it's like, why do you want to do it again? So, you know, if it ain't broke, don't, if it ain't broke, don't fix, you don't have to fix it because yeah, you yeah. $24 million from HHS does not mean you have to take it apart, put it back together again. You've got the same thing. You know, yeah, you're yeah. still not helping us. You're still not helping us. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, this seems like such a, a really good solution to a lot of, a lot of people's challenges, right. Being alone and, you know, just like you said, a lot of mental health is just having someone to talk to at the right time, the right words immediately. Like, I need a phone call now. And to stop somebody going from to a, a darker place where it's harder to crawl out of. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I had a really good moment the other day. I had a um, a, a gentleman that, that was approached me for work stuff a while back, just like a you know salesperson. And I wasn't the right person for him, uh, but we chatted about career stuff. And he's ultimately become kind of a fan. He watches some of the shows and he's comments and he, and he sent me a message the other day and he said, I need to talk. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a rough spot. I'm having, you know, I'm not having great time. I'm having some bad thoughts. It's, you know, I'm in a, not in a good place. A couple of things have happened to set me sideways. And I said, sure, let's, let's get on the phone call. And it's funny when I when we when we finally got on a call two days later, he said, "Actually, you know, after I wrote you that note and after you replied, I feel so much better. I'm already like I'm doing stuff. Like he's like it, it. Just reaching out worked, and then you replying worked even more. And I'm so we had a nice thirty minute chat about work, uh -huh. about his about his job now, and just about you know what he's doing and what he could uh -huh. do different, and you know how to keep sales is a tough job, and you know how to keep some." hope alive and yeah and keep plugging anyway, it was kind of funny so just you know i would imagine being that peer specialist for people you know just a friend and people reach out and as soon as they say i need help and as soon as you say i'm here man that's like half the battle it seems it really it's it's amazing yeah do you know um there are some people that are doing enormous work around around growing the, the CPS and growing the peer workforce in the U.S., especially like my friend Laura Rose Massaras, who founded Peer Galaxy. She lives in Salem, Oregon, and does a lot of collaborative work throughout the state of Oregon. She's mm. been helping with respite, establishing respite with a gentleman called Kevin Fitz in Oregon. And, and they're doing, she does amazing work with the legislature and, and with their community and capacity building and with technology, especially um, she's coming up with the data with this thing that can will be able to establish relationships, which will help grow behavioral health organizations even more with their business models. It's about, oh, to, pay off. Yeah, it's about to happen, and I'm so excited about that. So there's Laura, 
Um, but yeah, a, lot, a big part of what I talk about um, when I do groups as a CPS is, is yeah. hope, is hope. You know, um, how do you, how do you keep going? How do, how do you keep going? What do you do to self-care? How do you love yours? How do you self-love? What are you doing to, how's your sleep? You know, from at the, at the very, at the very most. Yeah, food. How do you, what's your food like? Go over everything. Yeah. And I think the experience pure is, is able to, um, you know, come up with a lot of solutions for the, for the person that's in that, that's, that's needing some support. Um, like there's warm lines down and, and they're touting the 988 line, but the 988 line is just an alternative is, this, is a 911 traffic breaker. In other words, have you heard of the 988 line? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, 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 they started the 988 stating that it was going to be peer based, peer centric. And now it's all clinical necessary medical. It's all clinical. It's all clinical. That, that should be, that really should be the, the CPS people, right? It should be the peers. Yeah. Yeah. It should be. Which peers is why we've been moving it. so fast to get this telehealth up and run, up and running for mental health and for substance use uh, throughout the U S and a different, and a lot of different. Um, uh, yeah. I, I could see that being, you know, quite, like I said, quite valuable if it's a, I, I think the peers do, like you said, bring a real different, practical look at how things are going, how you're doing as a person as opposed to working on stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know quite how to articulate it, but I can see the difference between a therapist and a peer very peer. clearly. Yeah. You know, and you need both. Um, you do need both and you need good people that can do everything really. Um, you're right. I think that um, I think peer support is going to go on forever and I think eventually, just like social work started literally about 150 years ago in New York City, right? And look at where social work is today. Yeah. And so I think the CPS is going to gradually come up and it's going to be codified in, in the labor and then they're going to unionize and they'll get more organized. And eventually there will be a national cert with the with probably SAMHSA as the oversight management training hmm. organization. Um. I, I I project that will probably happen in a matter of probably three four years, maybe less. Yeah, and if if the if the federal government takes you know keeps getting a, a little harder look at solving the problems, if they really do get their heads around it, they'll 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 allow some national certification, and states will, you know, acquiesce and fall in line and let some of this stuff go. Right. I can see them being a little more sticky on therapists because of the different, the organizations at the state levels will be quite territorial. I could see a lot of silly, stupid politics and, and just, you know, I'm not going to let somebody else get a, uh, you know, we're not going to let it too easy because then we're a little losing money, you know, protecting territory. If like really silly stuff. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I think the, the CPS stuff is, is potentially could be a little bit wider. I, I think I think it's on its way. Um, there's a conference next month in in uh, Seaside, Oregon called Pure Apocalypse. Let me write that in oh, the chat. Pure. Yeah. Have you heard about it? Pure Apocalypse. No. Are you going? Oh, you should go up there if you can. They're going to have over. I think at this point they have about 1,100 people that are going to be there. This is the largest wow. peer based conference that's met post COVID uh, in so long. It's also the 10th anniversary of uh 
Pierpocalypse. And it was started out of MHAA, Mental Health America Oregon, and this group called PureLink, which is no longer, which is phased out because of the grant. It's phased out. But Pierpocalypse is largely a peer based conference okay. meeting, meeting, and it's in Seaside, Oregon. And it's May the 8th through the, oops, through the 11th in Seaside, Oregon. And if you're interested, you would check out, uh, you can just Google Pure Apocalypse Conference. And uh, they have the program put together. Uh, my friend Roland Franklin uh, is receiving the National Peer Award this year. Oh, there's that's a woman, cool. Yeah, there's a woman in, in Oregon who's receiving the state CPS Peer of the Year. I, I, I don't I don't know what her name is. I think it's Roberta, I think. But don't count me on it. And they both do <laughs> outstanding work. Um, so I'm hoping to get up there, although I might not be able to because I'm teaching and yeah. getting into testing at the end of the year in May. And I've been raised, trying to raise money so that I can get there. They had a slew of money in Oregon for scholarships for the apocalypse. However, you needed to be in uh, a state, a state a, rep. A state rep, yeah, yeah, state license. Qualify yeah. for it. And so Fair I've been enough. raising money on my own. I've got I've asked my university, and hopefully they'll be able to help me. And and uh, I don't know. I mean, if I'm able to go, I'll go. If not, I don't know. I miss a whole week of work, and unfortunately, that's during testing the GMAS testing in Georgia. Uh, yeah, I mean, May I seems know. like a, the timing seems very poor. You wait another month, and you've got summer. And teach all these so many peers that work during you know during school. I'm sure there's a lot of te people who are teachers and peers. It's got to be a probably a cross pollination. I I would assume so. I because it's all service, you know, and yeah, yeah, it's all about giving back. And um, I'm kind of it's kind of a heady thing these days because I'm getting paid what I what I'm what I'm worth now, as opposed to getting paid eighteen fifteen dollars an hour working as a peer, $15 an hour in Atlanta is not going to pay the bills. You'll barely be able to afford your rent. You'll, you'll be going to get food elsewhere because the yeah. specialist just doesn't command a sustainable level of income for people no. who work. And they assume that because most peers are mental health consumers, in other words, people living with the shared experience who are living on SSDI and who may or may not be afraid of losing their disability benefits. So they cut the, the average hourly rate down, way down. Oh, that's and, brutal. And, and people are afraid to work beyond a certain number of yeah, yeah. hours or they'll lose their SSDI, yeah. which is what's, what's supporting them currently. And so there's a lot of things that we can change. For instance, I'm interviewing for social work jobs as a traveling social worker in Oakland, California. They want to pay me $84 an hour. So I went from $18 an hour as a peer to $81 an hour as a social worker. Do you see the difference? That makes no sense. And it, it and I'm basically going to be doing the same thing in there. And, and they're interested in me because of my experience and because of the work that I've done as a peer. And also, also as a person and, and through social media. Yeah, well. yeah. And you've been so there. there's a lot that needs to be done. There was this gentleman that did a couple of um, studies. Nev Jones has done quite a few studies on the CPS. 
and uh, quantified uh, quality of life, you know, physical quality of life. Um, how do you sustain a CPS? Well, one, I've come up with a lot of different ideas, but I've gotten, I get shot down and there's a lot of what's called peer guerrillaism. When, when your own peers are, are coming at you from behind and shooting at your back because they don't like the, what you're doing with peer supports, right? So there's that too. There's, there's all sorts of stuff you could possibly imagine happening in the peer world. It's happening. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's just like any other group like of people. Like everything right? else, right? Yeah, you get a bunch of people together and there's going to be a bunch of, you know, there's going to be some people who are just stupid and uh, some people, you know, a lot of people trying to do the right things and it just takes a few idiots to get in the way. It, it seems right at times. It's like yeah. high school stuff, right? It's like, you know. It, is, it, it does seem like, it does seem like high school. And, it, and I, yeah. don't, I, I don't like that kind of behavior. It makes me I, feel gross. I don't like to engage I, and I certainly I know. don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, support it. I, I certainly try not to. I like that. I don't support this. I don't support high school. Yeah. High school behavior. It is really obnoxious. No. Um, especially I mean, when you're trying to do good stuff for people and we're all, everybody can get their head around that. And then, but people still feel obliged to act foolish. I think people forget to be kind People I think forget people forget that the easiest thing that we can do is just be kind and nice to one another, really. And remember, and remember, oh, yeah, I was there. I remember what that was like. And so many people are going through something. I mean, it's the people standing in line. This is one of my, you know, for sure comments that everybody around you has been through something. And a lot of people around you are dealing with something. Yeah. Uh -huh. So be kind, be, be, be gracious, give people some grace, uh, yeah. especially yourself. Yeah, ex um, exactly. Be, be graceful. And, and that's the toughest thing to do um, is to be patient. And uh, when someone is, is, is maybe doing something to, I don't know, harm you or take your money away from the County or from the state or whatever, trying to get your contracts or whatever. I mean, that, that does, that does happen quite frequently. There's a lot of, you know, this, there's only so much money, you know, there's only so open. much money, there's only so much money, but there's a lot of mental health money. There's a lot of mental health money. There's a lot more money in substance use than there is in mental health, but there's a lot of mental health money and there's a lot to go around. And if you can't, if you can't get a contract with your, with your, re, with your regional local county state provider or your feds, mm. then, then be creative and, and make that money, get that money, go and sponsor yeah, it, go create it. Yeah, go it because there's a lot of money coming down and for mental health. Yeah. And so I don't people. think that when someone says, oh, I can't afford it. No, 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 no. no I'm not going to buy it because I can go out in the streets and I can raise $2,000 for an event in Savannah in five minutes. And you, and there's a way that you can certainly help, help you, figure out what's going on for you as well. Hmm. I don't buy it. I just don't. Uh, maybe it's because I just don't take no for an answer. Yeah. You might be a little, you're, you might be cut a little bit different. Maybe yeah, I don't know, but maybe I do. <laughs> but you know, there's that, and and I love being a peer. And people say, "Oh, you're going to be a social worker. You sold out." And <laughs> my, my answer is no. I didn't sell out. I'll be oh, able to do a lot more. Yeah, to yeah. help more people in a different, bigger way than I could as that I ever could as a CPS. Because you're as a CPS, you're you're pretty much 
got your hands tied with what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. With a social worker, I can go everywhere. And as long as I'm doing what I should be doing and being a good person and treating people well and have a modicum of what's good and what's wrong, what's right, right and what's wrong, then I'm fine. I think a lot of people don't have an understanding of what's right or wrong mm-hmm. and how to treat people well, how not to treat people. You know, I, I think that happens. It's endemic in the peer community. Uh, it is. You'd, you'd hope that they'd figured it out a little bit better. Yeah. Um, how about some clo- How about some thoughts? Um, we've we got it. We're at the end of the time. Okay. Um, you know how how about how to? I'm trying to think of a good prompt for closing thoughts, and um, yeah, maybe it's more about what you're going to do. Maybe just a little bit closing. What you're What are you going to do in the next few months? What's What's it look oh, like? Sure. Well, I'm teaching elementary school special education grades three, four, and five. And I'm trying to get a teaching contract for 23, 24. And at the same time, I will work, continue to work in social work and church. And so that's basically my year. I'd like to get the pure apocalypse. I don't know if I'm going to be able to because of the, the great, because of the, the uh, tests here in Georgia for. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do your first job. So, yeah. uh, I don't really have a whole lot of plans. I'd like to, see what I can do to improve my health, hmm. um, my diet. I'm working on sleep in a really big way and to increase my circle. I moved here to Atlanta, again, where I used to live, from Valdosta, where I was going to school for the School of Social Work. So I moved up here to join my girlfriend. And um, I don't know a whole lot of people up here. And so, I, you know, I'll get more settled and keep just keep plugging along really and try to figure out what we're going to do about surviving race and make sure that that survives and sustains itself since Celia died that's those are the biggest things I love it um I want to make sure I get you know as much uh maybe offline we'll we'll chat about how to how to do some of that stuff and and make sure I've got uh all that stuff in the notes um etc Jen, thanks so much for, for sharing. It's really interesting. I learned quite a bit today, so that's kind of pretty helpful for me. And, and I've got some more, I think, a better understanding about the, the certified peer specialists, and, and I think it's a real opportunity. Oh, thanks. I think so, too. I think, I think we're on the right track, and um, you're doing really good work, Ken. And thanks. we're opening it up to people in the, in, in the, in the communities all over the place. That's terrific. And and I'm going to go and look at your other ones that are recorded or archived. Yeah, go have a and look. I'll put, it, I'll put it out there for you, too. Yeah, you, this, this show will be live right after we're done. It'll be recorded on LinkedIn. And then oh, we man. take about seven or ten days. And you should be uh, also on Apple and Spotify, the typical kind of podcast. Wow, how cool is that? Yeah, yeah, we do the full show now. Thank nice. Thanks so much, Jen. Thank uh, you. Thank you, Ken. Take care. Good. Yeah, don't go anywhere. I'll see you in the other. I'll see you in the other oh, okay. room. Okay, okay. And call me for. Yeah, loose baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from Ooh. the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're gonna go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it it changes all the time so if you change the way you look at things the things you look at change